Welcome to Live to Tape, everyone. everyone welcome. welcome. We'll, we'll get started start in a few minutes. minutes. Maybe, Maybe less. less. Yeah, I think you're pulling the wrong one. I'm just... Okay, I'm ready to pull it down now. There was still a little bit uh, left in me. Okay, don't hold it quite so tight. Okay. Is that what? Welcome to the podcast. This is how it's going to start. Welcome to Live to Tap, everybody, also known as Live to Table, also known as the Executive Buffet, also known as the only place you're allowed to park Daddy's big red truck. Even if, if Daddy's driving it, he can park wherever he wants, but if you're riding and Daddy lets you park, this is the only place you can park Daddy's big red truck, here, on the Unnecessary Decoration Station, with your host, Jimmy Jackson. Jason Pepperhouse, also known as Kevin Tipcorn, Mr. Makem Brown, Mr. Makem Brown, me, Johnny, Johnny Pepperhouse. Uh, if you want to get more stuff that's of this type of thing, this podcast sounds like, go to patreon.com slash live to tape. I do a weekly chat blast almost always on Mondays. That's uh, a lot of music, a lot of talking. It's like the podcast, but it's just me. And also, um, there's exclusive mixes available on there that you can only get, get on, on Patreon, Patreon because, you know, they won't let me post them anyplace else. Also, check me out on Twitch. I'm streaming on Twitch, you know, good about sometimes as much as four, four times, times a week, a week but sometimes as little as three, three times, times a, week. a week. That's twitch.tv slash justmynipples. Twitch.tv slash justmynipples. And uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you get notified hit the bell and stuff you know this podcast is an outstanding episode i'm so proud to present this i don't know why it took me so long to do this to have this particular guest back in stock in the studio billy wayne davis the amazing comedian and podcaster and just all around amazingly hilarious and funny intelligent person billy wayne davis joins me for a real mother load of an executive buffet you're gonna enjoy it if you want to reach out the email is uh, live to tape podcast at gmail.com. That's live to tape podcast at gmail.com. See you on the other side. Enjoy this outstanding podcast. Remember when I first was up in Humboldt? I was there like in October or some shit. And it's like, oh, these people are going ham. They've all got cash. They're no, all you were in cash. like at harvest time. You there oh. just now, right? Yeah, it's in. Well, Dude, they were just. It's, it's a rush. weird. Well, they all go a little crazy because yeah. some of it works out like they thought. Some of it's not working out like really? they thought. So there's this weird scramble, and then the other people, they're also competitive. So they've got other people sure. who are just coming in and like, look, look how well we did, and they're like, I'm gonna kill everyone because it's this. There's something about it. It's special. That whole Murder Mountain thing, it's like, of course people are getting murdered up there. Well, that part, and 
we talk about this in the second half of our podcast, the second okay. half of the season, because uh, we go back up. What to podcast s- is this? Grown local. It's Grown a, local. Okay. Me and a grower named Mike McGowan out of this Eugene. This is about Oregon. weed, I assume. It's we just. Yeah, I went right into promo in it, but it's like what we're talking no, about. Good. Um, and it was while I was up there, but it's a. Uh, my sunglasses on like a dick. Those are nice sunglasses. Instagram. You mean you got them? They're Instagram sunglasses. They're like uh, the ad got me. Sometimes you get got. Yeah, like they just Twitter just got me with an Animaniacs ad where I was like, this. Yeah, I like yeah. stuff like this. It's like, oh, there's a 20th anniversary of Animaniacs. Sometimes it feels good to get got. Yeah, you're like, well, at least it works right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean everything's marketing at this point. So, um, so you got this podcast is about how yeah. new is it? I don't think I know. I don't know about anything. So you know, well, I don't. We haven't promoted it. Okay. We've been more focused on making it good right. before we tell anybody about yeah. it. Um, it's the first season about Eugene, Oregon. Basically, I like I love smoking weed. It was the first thing that you know you drink and do all the other stuff, and right. then. I always knew I'd stop doing that eventually. Stop drinking? Yeah. Right. Uh, now, f- I didn't know for the reasons I had to quit, but do you know what I mean? I don't um, think you ever told me why. Just. Crashed a truck into a no, Macy's? No, that wouldn't <laughs> have stopped me. It was yeah. some things in my life had plateaued. Yeah. In a way that I wasn't. I was like, and then it was like, well, let's see what 30 days feels like. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't a plan to be like, this is, I'm done. Yeah. And then my life improved so exponentially in those 30 days wow. that it was pretty hard to, like, my logical brain to be like, ooh. It would be stupid to do to not recognize this. It would be, yeah, the way I live my life or the code by logical yeah. code I live my life, it would be like, very against it to be like, well, this is an obvious thing that we removed in the pattern. And the pattern. But you were stopped. drinking a lot, huh? Or when I chose to, yeah. it was never a thing. And I'm thankful for that. I was never like somebody that was like, I gotta have it every day. Yeah. It was just like some days I'd be like, oh, I'm not gonna drink for two weeks. But then I would drink for like three days. Oh, three days straight. Kind of. Not yeah. like not like I wake up the next day and start drinking, but yeah. like definitely. In the afternoon, we start again. Yeah, it's definitely a, a thing like that. It's definitely like a easy to do that. But we were talking about someone else. You're talking about um, the you got when you got into weed, yeah. Yeah, and that was like I remember smoking it, and the first time you get really stoned and have a good time, and then you're like, you realize what it really is. What is it? Or you're just like it's a plant, right? And it doesn't do any of the things that they tell you it does. Or they scare you into thinking it does. Oh, that stuff. You tell, yeah, like like the, the stuff that they, yeah. And then you're like, oh, I'm never not gonna do this. Uh huh. Like I'm always, I'll always smoke weed. You know, I like I realized like the breaks and stuff, but I was like, this is seems to be like the best way to release. You know, like blow off some steam is what a lot of people say when they go get hammered. It's like a yeah. End of the week, I like to blow off some steam, and you're like, yeah, you're <laughs> like, all right, yeah, you drink two cases of beer in one night. That is a lot of steam. That's a lot of steam you're blowing off, of. <laughs> creating a lot of steam too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then you're gonna live two months from that one night. There yeah. was like that thing too. The freaking this. I mean, it also is like it's all you know. It's, everyone has their own thing. Some people like it's some people's biology works better with certain things. Yeah, I was never. That was the, you know, as you get older. 
especially your late twenties, early thirties, start if you have any sense or any goals, mm-hmm. you kind of start looking at the way you're living. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, or you have to start accepting the way what you've been given. There's also some people can get addicted to anything too. There's people who like, yeah, it's like they can get addicted to anything. No, I'm the best of the people who are addicted to weed. There's people who are like bad addicted to weed, and it's it's so much. To me, it's sadder than alcoholism because alcoholism is like kind of obvious and everything. But the weed the weed addicts are worse because they have so much support. Well, like you're not you can't get addicted to it. It's like. Yo, you can. Yeah, you totally can. Well, you can get addicted to the escape. The escape. You, know, you can't get physically addicted. Right, to not physically, not metabolically addicted. Yeah. But you can get addicted to the not thinking about something because it's like if you blow your, you can blow your brain away so you're like not feeling anything. Yeah. With just about anything, you can do it with exercise. You know, you can just exercise and so you can't feel we anything. We thankfully never did that for me like yeah. that. Like alcohol did for sure. Where alcohol was, is definitely if you want to get something, if you want to numb, numb, no, you want to numb up. That's how you do it. Yes, legally numb up. That is the best way. That's what I figured out. And then once you stop, yeah, like I said, for that thirty days, you you kind of take back. You get some clarity, and you're like, oh, I was just, just that's bad how I was using that because yeah, for a while up. it was just fun. You just right. have because it's an accelerant. Yeah, because you get you get a lot of energy at first, the top of it, right? Is that well, how it works? I mean, when you're in a great mood and you start drinking, you're in a even better mood. Yeah. But when you're in a bad mood and you start drinking, bad, you might get in a like you stop caring, but then that then it turns it turns some sort of weird corner, and you're in this thing where you're just the most negative mindset. I've been that where. Not that long ago, even I'm like, what the fuck? You think about it the next day, like I was being so fucking negative, like negative in a way where, like, you have a deep earth drill, you're trying to drill through a mountain. It's like, why are you doing this? This is yeah. this is ridiculous. It's a, yeah, it excels, mm-hmm. it inflames stuff. It's also poison. Yeah, <laughs> I think that helped me too because the way my brain works, I knew when I quit or gave it that break, I was like, I want to figure out what it does to your body. And what totally. I'm doing to my body in this 30 days. And then everything you read, you're just like, oh, it's just like there's no, there's like a like very, very tiny few health of yeah health. Like if you can drink in moderation, mm-hmm. that's what I realize is like, oh, it's like everything else. Like if you have that ability to use it in moderation, it's probably great. Yeah, I feel like that's the case. I, when I when I enjoy it, I think it's good, and it's good, it's good sometimes to go hard in the paint once in a while with oh, your yeah. boys. Just fucking let it rip out in the desert, you know. See, I don't even miss that. See, I can I, still that go. To me, that to me is almost like a ritual thing where I just want to fucking. Well, always it's always just Miller Lite or Coors Light. Yeah. Just have you know drink a ton of the same thing, <laughs> yeah. and get really loud to the point where you want to wrestle with someone. Just kind of like middle it's of nowhere primal. when you're like in a place where you know it's like almost like a like a not a sanctuary but you're in some place that's not but your normal life like can that I ask to you, me is different can i ask you this did you you grew up in minnesota like yeah. kind of in a rural area not really rural it was a city it's not a very big city but i was not like a farmer you know farmers kidding like that but you know? you're a louder person than probably city people here i guess so i mean i like when you can Make a bunch of noise and not have to worry about someone hearing you. Yeah, that's. But I what think that's also a Midwestern thing. 
I think it's just rural. It might be. There's a thing I noticed that happened to me the other day that was like, I went to order some, I think it was in Tulsa, or maybe it was someplace, it wasn't Tulsa, but maybe it was, um, maybe it might have been here. It was here. It's at a coffee shop in Magnolia in Burbank, and I, I don't drink milk anymore, like, yeah. like cow's milk. I have like yogurt and stuff. I don't drink like milk milk because it makes me not it's feel hard. that great. Yeah. It's hard. Me too. And so I used I to drink, love that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I drink oat milk now. Like, I mean, it had been forever before it was, remember when you couldn't get it that often? It was like hard to find. Some places had it. When they did have it, it's like, oh, fuck yeah. That's the best. That's the most rich of the milks that are fake. I would agree with that. And I ordered a uh, Americano. So all I ever drink is Americano. Or like, and I was like, can I get a, some splash of oat milk in there? But it's like, I feel like I had to like lower my voice to say oat milk. Even in Hollywood? Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, you don't I've have to do I've lived here that. for 15 years, but I, in the back of my mind, it's always like, don't don't say that loud. That's don't. embarrassing well, to say that loud, to say oat milk. Uh, well, like, in my back of my head, I'm still kind of, don't don't talk about that but loud. But I think that's even, <laughs> that's even, that's a manners thing. Where we're not, we're not even. It's a manners, but it's also a thing where. Do you have a hard time, let me ask you this, because I've spoke to other people Especially in this industry where right. their self-promotion is important. It's the hardest thing ever. Oh, because it was ingrained in us like you can't. Don't don't toot don't your t- horn like that. You need to shut your mouth about your accomplishments. Yeah. And you're just like, and then when you see people really good at it here, like, where were your parents? And uh, I, then I, I realized, like, oh, yeah. they just, they're probably more advanced and you didn't grow up in just a Puritan society <laughs> yeah. like we did. Where it's just like, I, it took me probably till the last three or four years to really accept that that's that I that's a thing I have to kind of get over totally it's a weird thing I, I I felt the same way I also felt like oh if you're not ruthlessly self-promoting you are hurting yourself and others it's like not fair it's actually a bad it's like a <laughs> you could say you could, if you really wanted to spend right you could say it's kind of sinful because it means like you're feeling ashamed of something yeah, it's like that's bad to feel to feel shame about your work and stuff like that. Like that's really bad. Like you should not. You should be proud of your shit. Yeah. Now there's it's some hard people that should feel shame about what they're promoting. Totally. I think that's another conversation. Well, that's I think the that, problem. I get that confused yeah. too. It's like, oh, you shouldn't be proud of that. That is. Well, it's also like, it's just interesting. The farther you get into this thing, for lack of a better term, of what it is. Right. Where you realize, like, like I heard Steve Martin talk about when he learned what a good project was he was working on, why it was successful because it was good, and right. then why a project was successful that he didn't necessarily give a shit about, but there was, like, a big hype machine behind yeah. it. And he was like, it, it helped him distinguish between what he was doing just as, a, like, an artist and a human being right. and a business. Where you're like, oh, that is a, I guess you do have to, you can't mix them all together, you'll go insane. I mean, like, just having a distinction between what is good and what is also just promoted, what is also just um, something that has a lot of energy behind it. Yeah, like where he was, I think several movies he was probably involved in where he was like, this is not good, but, and then it was like, it's number one at the box office, and he was probably like, I don't understand why. Also, it's his perspective, too. Yeah. It's like a thing where if your experience is bad of something, you think the product is bad. And actually, you can have a terrible experience making something, but it can be really good because the people who are watching it, they don't, they don't, people think it comes across, 
But it doesn't. No. A lot of times it does not come across at no. all. No. No, people, it, that's the magic. If the magic's done right, they have no idea there was any hard work. Put yeah, on. you don't yeah. see that people are wet. You don't see anything because at all. Because it's stand-up. Like, it took me a while to realize, like, that's a huge compliment when someone's like, I think I could do that when they watch you do it. Oh, totally. Because at first I was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you realize, like, oh, you make that means you make it kind of look easy sometimes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's a compliment. Thank God. Yeah. I'm not saying I get that a lot, but. It used to be like when people say it, like go fuck yourself, man. I work. R- oh, okay, that's the work showing off. Or telling people also, people are like, yeah, I think I want to do stand up, and I always say, you definitely should. If you want to do it, you should totally do it. Yes. You have to do it. And like, I don't know. I'm like, no, you got it. You got to do it because either they will have a great time and do well, or they realize, oh, this sucks. So I sometimes I will <laughs> I've done it both ways because it's it works both ways where I'm like. You shouldn't. Because <laughs> if they really want to, they'll do it anyway. Yeah, that's, that's totally true. I mean, I've never had people. I have people you probably have a lot of people asking you stuff about that. About how to do about it? About just like, hey, man, I think I'm bugging into stand-up, you know? Not as much anymore. I think because of my Twitter presence, I think I've kind of cultivated a little bit of fear. Really? That... If you ask me dumb questions, I'll give you dumb, res- like a heckler. <laughs> Do you know what I like? It's, to me, I think sometimes I view it as they're heckling me. Yeah, definitely. And I'm nice to most people, but if you come at me with a certain thing, I'm going to come back at you because I'm a person. Right. And I have esta- I think that it's helped that I've established that from, I've never been like, everyone's welcome in my community. Yeah. Where I'm like, no, just don't be stupid. Mm-hmm. This, that's the only thing I ask. Don't be stupid or hateful. And they usually are the same. Yeah, like it's I, definitely the same thing. Yeah, I mean everyone has a little hate in them, but if, as long as it's for like towards stupidity or mm-hmm. something like that, then that's healthy. Yeah, it's not just like a I don't generic. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I don't like those people. You're like that doesn't. That's just lazy. Super lazy. We got quiet. Did you smoke weed? Yeah, I'm just waiting for this uh, leaf blower. Man, that's the thing that kills me about the pandemic stuff is that there hasn't been a single day. I mean, I said this way early on, and I didn't think it was, I thought I was going to be made to eat my words, but I haven't. Is that, you know, I'll start worrying about shit when there's no more leaf blowers. Hasn't been a single day I haven't heard a leaf blower. I think that's like a, I think probably people on the Titanic said, when I quit hearing the orchestra play, then I'll start worrying. And, you know, there's people that just play yeah, but they, they play. That's I feel like that's, I mean, I'm definitely, don't, I'm not like a, not worried about it. But, I mean, like, I'll be, like, really worried. Oh, it's I'll like, be like, that's your sign, like, like when, when, like, tribes and stuff see, like, birds and certain yeah. animals disappear, like, vanish. They're like, something, we got to go. This is, it. so that's your sign. <laughs> yeah, the fact there's still dudes blowing shit around the air nonstop every single fucking day means... You know, something's something is still. We're not like in the fucking throes of death. We're just also certain, certain certain places. Maybe I think for certain parts of our society, they are. They were already pretty yeah. close to the throes right. of death, but I think they were pushed into it in a way that was like totally. cruel because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Right now, isn't the case that um. California and maybe one other place are the only places doing well. Every place else is uh, 
that is in the shit again. It's everyone left California, man. Yeah, a lot of people left, and it's like, oops, that was a little too soon, maybe. I think maybe that was a little too soon. Well, I think <laughs> I th- okay. Here's what I think happened. I think yeah. some very wealthy people left. Yeah, I think some people moneyed up, and then realized, oh, if I go, I can keep this house and rent this out, and I can go buy a house in Tennessee or Texas or somewhere right. like that, where the money I will save on income tax it's alone will buy the house right. for me. So that's what they did, but they also, instead of saying all that out loud mm-hmm. and what they're actually doing and making an income from renting out their whatever. Well, I know all the people who did not do that, actually. People who just straight up moved. But, but that's when, okay, here's yeah, what I'm saying. I'm very wealthy, very but, wealthy. No, I'm not, but I'm saying like rich, too. Like, yeah. you know, but they are influencers to other people. Right. So when they left and said it was because of this Rogan. reason, this I'm saying Rogan say and some of those people like that. Yes, yeah. some of those podcasters and they left under the guise of like it's this cultural thing and this place is blah blah blah. Yeah. You're like sure, and there's a pandemic, but you're also not being fully honest about all the tax money you're saving. Oh, saving a shitload of tax money, and also keeping. You still do business here, so oh, don't yeah. act like you're fucking leaving. Well, I mean, if you talk about Rogan in general, people say he's moving. I'm like, Rogan doesn't live anywhere. Yeah. Rogan lives everywhere. Yep. Like, when you're, when you're super wealthy like that, you don't really – you live one place where you pay your taxes. Yes. But technically, you know, the guy's in Vegas all the time. Like, he kind of partially lives there. I'm sure he pays taxes in a lot of different states because yeah, totally. of his job. Yeah. But you only have one place – that you pay your resident of. Yes. And that's like the, for those people, that's one thing. But you're, I see what you're saying, though, is how, like, there's definitely a trickle down where some people who aren't at the le- that level. Yes. <laughs> this. Sometimes there's this lady who talks, and you hear her voice so clearly. It's like like a bat, it's house over and behind, but the way she's, her voice carries, it's so loud. You know what so that loud. is? What is that? Frequency. It is. That's a di- she. She speaks on a different frequency because, and some musician taught me this because we were in a restaurant and I was like, "Why can we hear that one dude's voice?" Yeah, and he tried to explain the science of it. It's just because it carries well. It's some the way she's got teacher voice. She's got that teacher voice. She does, where she's like, you know what she, else she has? Jason. She, she has a, she has like mom, a, a manager that's that acts like your mother voice mm-hmm. too, where you're like, oh, I don't need a mom. I need someone to run business. Yeah. Oh, I've had that, man. <laughs> I had this neighbor across the street. One more, it was like 9 a.m. I'm out, you know, doing some gardening stuff in the morning. And this guy's having like a distance hang on a Friday morning. It was just like today. Just a, it's a Friday morning right now, right? Late yeah. morning. But it was a Friday morning at 9 a.m., just like this. Cool morning. Quiet. Quiet. This guy's voice is booming. He's on his porch. His wife, his friend is, is like six feet away, sitting on the grass. Do you think he was just excited Boom. to be hanging? Well, no, he wasn't excited. He's like a, you know, he's a kind of a big dude with a with a beard. He's probably the nicest guy ever, right? Uh-huh. But in this instance, I'm like, fuck this guy, because I hear him talking about politics. Like, I mean, that's not you can't have that loud no, outdoor conversation. Not loud, and it's liberal politics. I support him, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, you're talking about just I can't. I have a video of it, him just talking super loud, and I'm such a fucking bastard, right? <laughs> that I, I'm in the driveway here. I have the gate closed. You can't see me. I let out a couple big, 
yeehaw, like loud yeehaws, full volume fucking yeehaws. Do you think he thought it was at that? He well, here's the thing. I got confirmation of that because after like <laughs> maybe the third yeehaw, these weren't like successive, probably like a minute or two apart. He starts doing that purpose thing where he starts talking louder, because on purpose, because I think he kind of caught the vibe. I'm I'm kind of fucking with him because he's he's oh, talking he does, so loud. So he thinks that you're you're the opposing view. I hope you, he doesn't because that's definitely not the case. Well, no, because you said yeehaw. I know, but it's not sad that the fact that yeehaw is like a line with like like. You're like, oh, you're Republican because you think because you're like yeah into it is horses. Sad. It is sad. <laughs> it's an it's a facet. You like, must get it a lot, man. It's my whole career has been really fun to play with because it's like I don't really, I'm never promoting my political views. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like especially as a comedian. Well, sometimes I've seen you. The first time I actually saw you, I think, in person was at the Dead Crow, in Wilmington. I was like, this guy. I mean that's a pretty conservative place, yeah. even though it's not. It's like on the, it's like not it a conservative is. place, but for for us it's conservative. But like for North Carolina, yeah, no, they Carolina? think they they're uh, Portland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah, but you know it's not Asheville or something, but it's still kind of less conservative than other places. But I remember you saying some stuff, and I was like, damn, he's really he's really uh, speaking his mind about politics. Well, the way I it like, was really good. It was very like eloquent the way you were saying it. I like to. I was something I had to figure out how to do mm-hmm. without doing it aggressively. Yeah. Is and it was like it didn't. It didn't click quick. I realized quick too that. I mean, I left. I did. I started in Nashville, traveled around the South a little bit, mm-hmm. and then met a woman who asked me to move to Seattle, and I was like, sure. You know, I loved her, but also, <laughs> like, there was also this part of me, like, oh, I can, like, stretch my shit yeah. comedically in Seattle uh, just because. People instantly think you're a hick. Well, not even that. I can talk about ideas openly mm-hmm. because they're already accepting of these ideas. I'm not just trying to get these ideas through to people. Mm-hmm. I can learn how to. Oh yeah, you've already you can hit the ground running instead of having to like convert people. Yes, I can learn right. how to tell jokes to people that understand these things that I already understand without having to first figure out how to communicate to them yeah. and get these ideas through. Right. So it was this like and then I was also touring with Ralphie May at the time and his audience I wouldn't even call them political. Yeah, they're probably, I see them, see them as being apolitical, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Right. But there was like a class, definitely a class of right. that he he uh, attracted and cultivated. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to communicate certain ideas through them and then learn different venues and how to just yeah. be a comedian and fail. So that And then I could go back to Seattle and work on this like point of view stuff. And then it just, I just kept getting, it it was just funny. Like, I just kept getting approached. Like, remember it was blue collar comedy was really hot then when I was starting out. Fuck yeah, it's huge, man. Those guys are the richest comedians ever to live. For, I, not anymore, but yeah. Really, who clips them? Kevin Hart? I think Kevin, I think uh, um, Russell Peters does real well. Oh, Russell Russell Peters is an anomaly, man. But that's, I mean, 
It yeah. is, but it is like that weird worldwide. I think Sebastian does really. Sebastian crazy. probably does now too. Yeah, it's crazy, man. If I, I just, it's like these. If you're like have an ethnic bent at all, you can really take that fucking a long way. It will, and it's, it's funny. All this we're talking about blue car comedy. That's all Southern people. Yeah, and it's like no, it's not. In, well, it's all rural people. It's rural, right? Okay. It's like that David Cross joke. That is an important distinction. Yeah, the David Cross joke. That's it's, the best. It's I'm the from perfect, fucking Juneau, Alaska, it's motherfucker. The Fuck you. I'm from fucking Bakersfield. Of their success. <laughs> yeah, it's all people who are like. I mean, in a way, it's also that same thing with. Uh, it's partially Trump because it's like the thing where it's not so much where you're from or what you think, but it's who you hate. It's well, like, that's oh, we don't like he, these city people. I've all, I mean, I've said it since the joke I've always said, and it never did well in the South, but it would do well in certain little pockets. Was like, and I still do it. Is like, the reason that the Republicans use red is that's what they that's how their base thinks is just red. Right. Like, I'm fucking Pissed. mad, <laughs> and they don't care. And I've I watched it. I've been to a couple like rallies and things that's like that. That's a fucking interesting point, man. This is fascinating because yeah. like it's something I really I did a thing where I was like watching this rally recently, and they had all these political speakers come up, and they had some people that like really they all had the same thing, but the ones the the, the speakers the crowd reacted to were that it didn't matter what they were saying. As long as they're pissed off, it's just they come up here and they're not happy with America, and it just they could say anything and it yeah. hit me i was like if i could go up there and just be like hey y'all doing aren't y'all sick of gays not getting treated right and they'd yeah. be like yeah because they're not listening to what anyone's saying that's so funny man so that's, that's what hilarious she's like as a character a guy who's like i'm fucking i'm sick of this class structure Treating women it's, differently in the workplace. It's this, this, it's this tone. I figured it out. You got these Yankees paying our women half what they're worth. I figured it <laughs> out when I was did this documentary for CMT, and I had to. It was in this mud pit. They had to do these mud events in the middle of Central Florida. That's a good thing when they're a mud event. I think I've actually been to one of those for real. It's it's impressive, and it's one of those weird things. You're like. I've never heard of this, and it's very popular. And everyone's drunk, and it's... And they all have mud trucks or yeah. on their four-wheelers. Mud racers. Yes. There's there's two different types of them. There's the kind that drive like in the lakes. water to skim, yes. and there's the mud trucks that, like, get out of the mud. Yes, and then their whole... They just do it until they break the thing, and then they go fix it. Yep. That was... Half of them are alcohol-based, so they're the louder than God. They're, like, the loudest... Oh, that's the loudest I've ever heard. It's definitely... It hurts your chest. I let... They... The crew would leave every day, and they had me stay there for three straight days, and I was in this RV. Jesus. I was, like, when we left, like, the final day, I literally felt like I was leaving the war zone because there was, like, helicopters. There's just... There's loud noises. Yeah. It's just pure adrenaline. It's dirty. All day and night. Um... But I figured that out there because this rap, this rapping country fat dude was playing and he was real popular in the thing. So they had this concert in the middle of the night and they had the big stage set up and they're like the CMT crew and stuff. They were like, Billy, you should introduce him for the shot. And the guy's like, hell yeah, put me on the TV and stuff. So like a lot of the crew are like from like the sound guy was from like Greenpoint. You okay. know what I mean? Like yeah. Brooklyn and stuff. His wife was French, so he was like, are you okay? Is this going to be? I was like, oh, this is fine. Mm-hmm. 
So I went out there. I was like, who's getting drunk? Woo! And it hit me. I was like, it, I was so close to being like, who loves gay people? Because they were just any, just the rhythm. They got to the rhythm because yeah. they're so drunk. I was like, I could have made them say anything or cheer for anything because of like, and you realize like that's, you put that together with that emotion and you're like, that's, like fascism's bad, but if you got to be the leader, it would be pretty fun and easy. Well, that's what you see with Trump in all these rallies. It's You see him in those rallies, he's like, oh, that's what he likes to do, man. Yeah. That's what he does, all this shit. Because he gets out there, he got the adrenaline, he gets to like, speak up on the top of his head. He gets to make these dumb jokes about Biden to kill. Like, Biden's mask. Biden's mask is huge. It was like, ha, 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 yeah. We really... He's not saying anything. He just, he's so good at speaking. He's such a fucking, he's, he's a so, grifter. he's great at it. He's a grift master. And he just loves the energy. He gets so juiced up on that. A fun it's one like, to watch. that's what he loves. Uh, I noticed this early, like four years ago. I was like, remember Obama or anybody else when they're doing these big rallies? Mm -hmm. People are standing behind them. Everyone's still and listening. Do you know right. what? They're aware they're on camera mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing. There's like self-awareness about Trump's rallies, I, I noticed real quick, while he's speaking, the people behind him are swaying, they're looking around. They can't, they're not, they can't, they're on camera. Yeah. And they can't stop to listen to him. They can't not. It's a party. Well, it's not even a party. They're ADD, dumb people that can't oh. hold, that they can't, they're not listening to what he's saying to begin with. They're just being like sort of corralled. It's, the, his base is, it's so clear, his base is is asshole. <laughs> we all, it's it's they're not political. Yeah. The, their politics are pissing off pretentious people. Totally, and some that the thing about that is crazy is that a lot of that stuff, you know, part you of me is like I agree, it. I fucking agree with that. It's like I love seeing someone pretentious get their have to eat their hat, you know. It feels so good. Oh, yes. Nothing feels better than watching some fucking blowhard have to eat his shoe. Yes. Because he, he got, or seeing someone you know who's an asshole, kind of like, what's the word? Get, not, um, I used to say this about people, actors, I'd, young actors I'd meet who are like really, like have a lot of bravado. And I, I'm just like. Humility. Yeah, but seeing them get seeing them get get theirs or get owned or kind of like, like taking um, down a peg. That's it. I taking think that's down the a phrase. peg. Yeah. See when someone get taken down a peg because you know it's going to happen eventually. Yeah. You can't act like a dick and talk all this game. You, I know you're full of shit, but you're talking to me because you think I don't know. There was one actor for sure. I I watched him. I mean, didn't watch him, but it was like a year later I saw him and he was so nice. I'm like, oh, this guy got got. Yes. Who punched you in the face? Someone punched yeah. him in the face. Something just something happened that he got like. Owned. Well, do you think? Okay, but that shit feels fuck. I felt great. I was like, wow, I didn't have to do anything. You Here's know? what I think: something switched, and I think it was like you know, coming coming of age or whatever. Yeah. Is when those people I do, I still enjoy it on like this primal competitive totally. level where you're like, oh man, the universe is gonna hum humble you in a way. Totally. But when there there's like that when that bravado's coming at you in a way. That you're like, oh, you're not trying to convince me of this. You're still trying to convince, convince yourself. yourself. Yeah. And that's okay. But like you said, like in my head, I'm like, I wonder what it's going to be that gets you. Yeah. Because we've all been got. Yep. It's that, like, I think that's where some healthy fear of success starts to come in where you're like, you're like, man, I want this thing, but 
like, I hope I can handle this thing. Totally. I mean, I've had a fucking so many people in my ear where, hey, dude, this is going to be fucked. Just so you know, this is going to be big. <laughs> hey, just say, I mean, it's happened to me at least three times with yeah. stuff where it could have been a fucking ridiculously big thing. And I think maybe the first time I totally bought a hook, line, and sinker yeah. and was just like, what, what, what do you mean there's not a second season? <laughs> but I, I, why not? I don't understand. There's not a second season? Why? What? Why wouldn't they do that? Like, oh, obviously, of course they have to give you a second season. Yes. In my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right, totally. And then, and then it's like it doesn't happen. There's that. And then I had like the, a couple other teams, times where it was similar to that, but I was a little more wary. And then, oh, man, it's just it's, it's a crazy how many times it's happened to me. I think it's happened to me four very distinct, distinctive times, but three times like hardcore from people who should know better. People who are like, are you kidding me? You're actually saying that? It is weird that they need to. This is going to be so big. Well, I think it's like sure, a, buddy. <laughs> well, sure, even, man. Okay. Here's the thing: even if Go it ahead. is, your life <laughs> ultimately doesn't change. Just the things around you get a little nicer. Yeah, that's the thing. I've. I mean, that's just I, like so I got funny that, to me. that documentary I'm talking about. Like that was it. Never occurred to me while we were making it that that just people might, might not watch it. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, we'll make it good, and then they'll see it, and then we'll get like a TV show out of it. You know, I was. It wasn't like this is guaranteed, but it was like this does seem like. And then I learned about like, oh, you need to promote in this way that I didn't know how that there are machines yeah. for, for lack of a better term. So I learned about that part of it, and then it was like, oh, well, and then it just dawned on me. I was like, well, that was just like a really fun six or seven months of my life yeah it's fun as hell so that's as long as i approach every project the way i approach that it'll be f- like one of them will make us a ton of money or i'll just yeah. get to keep making keep living like keep doing it i keep yeah if i get, get to, to keep, keep doing going it, you're winning lion ladies and driving race cars while people you know what i mean where it's <laughs> like the whole time it was like mm-hmm. Like one of the was a small crew, and they were like, "It's just fun to film you because you're having fun." I was like, "This is fun," because yeah, it is fun. And I think they'd worked on enough travel shows where people get bitter, and I'm like, "Yeah, I do stand up comedy mostly, not at a very super successful level, just because it's fun. It's the most fun." So I would do. I did it for a long time for free. Well, I was paying to do it ultimately. <laughs> I'm starting to break even That's ultimately. Funny. But yeah. it is that thing of like, it's once I let go of the ego and all that about this business, it just got real fun. Yeah. You know, I like I want to work with people I want to work with, and mm-hmm. like that whole thing of like you should be nice to everybody because you never know. I'm like, no, nah, there's some dickheads. I, I. I want them to know I don't want to work with them. Totally, and all you have to do is not work with them. Yeah. Oh, man, there's so many people who now, it's like people who have been shitty to me, and then just today someone was asking me about a person. Like, how is this person? I was like, who is that? Oh, I looked him up. Oh, that guy? He's not good. (laughs) And I got to say that? Oh, he's not good. Oh, yeah, that's, that's not uh, no, I don't think you want to work with him. <laughs> and doesn't it make you... I learned a lesson, too, is, like, you don't go on the attack when someone... You just no, not like, at all. Because what am I going to do, waste my time, like, talking shit about somebody? Yeah. It's... No, I have nothing to gain from that at all. I mean, I guess in the past I would have felt that way, but... 
it's that thing of like when people are like, you should make a list of people that wrong you. I'm like, I don't make lists. I'm just like aware of them. Yeah, because everyone always gets it. Yeah, and I don't seek out revenge, but sometimes it presents itself, and you're like, oh, look at this. Yeah. And it's not even mean stuff. You're just like, oh, then I wouldn't recommend that person for a thing. Or you can do the you can do like the super high minded thing, which is, well, I don't know that kind of I think it depends on the nat- the nature of the I, yeah. of the thing. Yes. But if you want to be like a real fucking Buddha, you're like, oh, uh, you know, you like hire that person. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's I couldn't. That is some pimp shit. Yeah. That I don't know because it's like well, that's making someone eat your shit. Ooh, that's that like is. you like that. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Well, don't you? The, that's hard to do. That's a hard thing to get. I, that's and not I have chances enough, for that. And it is something that too, like where it's like with you. I think you're like me, where someone would be like someone like that would just that we've probably been like I was yeah. shitty to them. And even if they you apologized, because I've done that several times where I've been back and been like, hey, this was happening. I did not mean it the way you thought I meant that, but I was taking some shit out on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but. That kind of person is like, hey, you want to work with me? And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> Not in a million years. No, I think you misinterpreted. Uh, I was apologizing so we can we can go our separate ways yeah, now. Yeah, so, yeah, no, That's no. Not like a, uh, I wouldn't not... just hand you the power. No, that thank you. That's insanity. Yeah, that is. It's. That's some high-level Buddhist shit, I guess. I don't think it's Buddhist. Yeah, it's not so much Buddhist. Not Buddhist, Buddhist, you would, is, I don't Buddhist care. is what you just said. Was we go on. We. We settle this right. thing. I I get a, out of the energy, the negative energy, and now boom, we go our separate ways because we're not meant to be. Buddhist is when I win in Call of Duty from finding the vantage point, and then at the end of the match, everyone's calling me a fucking camper, and I'm just laughing with the echo turned all the way up. That is. <laughs> I was like, you guys call that camping? Yes. That's using a vantage point, you you idiots. They're so. <laughs> you should read a you should read a military <laughs> strategy book. There's a reason they keep training snipers, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just love playing Call of Duty for that reason because I love when people get super pissed. Like well, people get so pissed. Or they they view certain things as cheating. That's yeah. very you're like, well, you're setting your own code up within this game that does not have that code. Yeah. Like I remember the first time I got mad in one of those battles when you just get the truck and you can just ram over and you because it. I was like, how does that dude have thirty five kills in yeah. this rumble or whatever? And then I know. Then the next one I noticed that just someone has one of those big trucks and they're just mowing down people. And I was like, oh, fuck that. You know what? Now that's pretty smart. Pretty good idea. That's pretty smart. That's a yeah. You're just playing the game. Yeah. So yeah, the split second you yeah. get mad, and then I think that's an important thing to to realize in this business too is to recognize what games people are playing too. Oh yeah, there's a lot of games. There's like levels of this industry that are like it was. It's hard to get that through to young comics. That they're pawns. Yeah. And that you shouldn't trust, like, agents and managers, especially early on in your career when mm-hmm. you can't truly offer them anything and they're telling you you can. That yeah. That they're playing fucking games with you. Totally. They are. And it's also a thing where... Um, That's a tough thing to realize, too, as a young comic, to be like, I don't have anything to give you. Well, you can't. I think you can't realize that until you have to learn it yourself. You have to realize that... That or you also 
I think a lot of people think that, uh, I don't know, uh, I mean, I can only speak to my to what I've experienced, but I think some, some recent successes I've had have been because I don't really care about a lot of the stuff that the people who can offer, like the agents and stuff, I don't really care about what they can do because in my head I'm like, oh, that's great, but I really just care about I want to make my friends laugh. I want to make my peers laugh. If I can do that, then I feel really good. Like, oh, this thing? Oh, that sounds good. I'll do that. But really, you know. Yeah. It's like with D-Ray. Is it D-Ray Davis? Black comic, D-Ray. Uh, I can't remember his last name. It's definitely D-Ray, right? But he, I was talking to him years ago. We worked on something together for like 10 minutes, you know. He was just saying how he doesn't give a fuck. He'll follow anyone. Yeah. Because he's like, I'll go after Chris Rock and I'll crush it because it's like, this is my time now. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to reprogram everything. But you just reset the stage. Yeah, and how he's saying, saying how it doesn't matter how you can be the biggest comic ever, but there's like massive comics who get shown up by someone who's three years in because they were a lot funnier. They were a lot more in the moment. They yeah. were fucking sparkling when you were big timer, kind of got a little lazy and didn't really engage and got fearful. You got this fucking little rat up there who just doesn't give a fuck, and he's like swinging for the fences because he's gonna die the next day. That to me is like the greatest when you see someone just crush right after some big person because they don't give a fuck <laughs> like that. It is, <laughs> yeah. Or they mention it. That's really funny when they're like, I mean, what are you guys gonna? What do you expect me to do here? And then yeah. they just crush it because they, you got to be honest in those moments. Uh, but it is that. Well, that's why stand-up's awesome. Yeah, because it's equal. It's like a true, there's no, um, I mean, there's sometimes you can kind of have stuff that's not super fair, but I mean, for the most part. Do you know part, who Yamanika Sanders is? I don't think so. That's a cool name. She's she's a beast. Yamanika Sanders? Yeah, she, okay. she, I think she was in The Degenerates in Netflix. I think okay. she was on that one. But that Kibitz Room. There at that deli. Oh, that place sucks. It is a nightmare. It's horrible. It's uh, so I think it's the last time I bombed was there. <clears throat> I had to start rethinking how I was doing stand up. So I'm like, I shouldn't be bombing. Oh no no no, that's not you. See, yeah, that fucked with your head because you should be you. Everyone, well, she. Well, was, I should be taking she, it in stride. Is what I mean. You know yes, what I mean? Like exactly. I shouldn't be affected. I shouldn't be oh, so. Oh, you mean like shattered, like shattered by the bomb? Like, yeah, like it rattled you. In yeah, a way. it rattled yeah. me for sure. I, she. I was already mad mm -hmm. when I got, you know, you walk in that room and you're like, what the fuck is this? TVs are on. Every time I think it's going to be different. I don't know why. I've done it like three or four times. I've had fun in there, but it's never like fun fun where it's like, it's always like we made it through that and mm -hmm. it wasn't. No one got stabbed is the kind of like yeah. fun it was. Well, like I'm done with that place. And <laughs> Yamanika went on before me and just started crushing. Oh, God. But in that way where she's pulling from every bit of stand-up she has. Yeah. Where she did some Chris Hansen bits. And <laughs> That's I was, old. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, I mean, I and I wasn't mad at her. I was like, yeah. I just recognized very quick what she was doing. And I was like, and then I had to go after her. And I did two lines. You know, I could just feel it. Because as soon as she got off, it was like, everyone was like, there was like a release we're like we can breathe again because mm -hmm. she she just had the room. She's like, I'm gonna kill you until it's my time's up, and right. then I'm gonna let you go. And I did two lines, and then I was I started laughing. I was like, it was arrogant of me to come up here after that. 
Right. I was like, there's, I can't w- even work on the thing I wanted to work on. I just had to, I was like, I'm not going to waste anyone's time and just walked off. You could see other comics like, whoa, what, what? And I was like, well, there was just no reason. Yeah, because like you have to, you're either working on something, because she was going like full tilt. Yeah, she, she was, was working on, I think she was working on some TV thing and knew in her head, like, I can't let this fucking place fuck my confidence up for this other thing. So you just went super hard and did like the A stuff. Or it, just stuff that she knew that room would would work there, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it was just like, and she mopped it up in a way that I had to tip my hat and just be like, I can't, I can't even do the thing. I wasn't mad at her. I was like, you have to do what you have to do, but I'm not going to let it fuck my confidence up either. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and all, you can see the young comics; they were confused. You could tell her, like, I know you could just leave a s- stage like that. I was like, well, if you're not, that's respectful to the stage. You can do whatever you want, right? It's if you can't fill your time, mm-hmm. get off the fucking stage. Yeah, I don't know. Like I'm a professional comedian. I couldn't fill that ten minutes. It would have fucking and no one else could after me. But I don't know. It was just like I remember driving home that night and being like, me eight years ago would have had a real problem with what I just did or oh, not right, understood yeah. it. And me now, I can't. I'm gonna stop and get ice cream. And smoke some weed and watch TV when I get home. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't affect... I just thought, wow, that was cool to watch her do that. Yeah. It didn't affect my confidence or... I knew enough, too, it didn't affect my career. How do you feel now, though? Because I feel like lately, for me, I keep having to remind myself, like, oh, wait. Like, I feel like if I feel like shit or something, I'm like, oh, wait, I haven't been able to do any stand-up at all. And that's, like, a real... It's, like, a real thing. If you can't do that, it's just... It fucks with your brain heavily. I've the grown local the cannabis podcast has been like a kind of like a blessing. Yes, because I can go like we went to. uh, There's been a couple of things happen during quarantine that have like given me this very creative outlet. Yeah, just in these like nice moments because overall. And it's been really nice because I can go interview these really interesting people in this interesting place and then talk about and learn, which is really fun. And then I worked on a movie real quick early into the thing. Nice. And it was kind of high stakes. That was kind of, you know, because the adrenaline was there and you got to fucking. What's this, Billy? uh, (laughs) And then. and then I came, so that was, like, fun. And then to go back to, like, just being at home. And then I've realized in the last six months, I realized the last month that for the first time in my adult life, it's not, it's been the first six months that I haven't been somewhere all the time. Yeah. So my life has gotten to this balance that it's never been since I've been an adult. Yeah, I feel sort of the same way, but I also feel like it's also harder than anything because I haven't had that. There's, I really had to like work super hard to find stuff to fill in the air. I worked out really hard. I you think mean physically? Yeah. Really? Let me pause. I got to piss super bad. Yeah. I want to talk about you working out because I've been working out too. We're back. We're back. We're back. No sweat though. No, no pressure. Dude, this is awesome. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited for you. Is this fine? 
What? Did you give this to me? Or are you just showing it to me? Are you kidding? I don't know. That's yours. Okay. That's thank special you. package for you. I would give you a jar, but I'm trying to save the jars for pickles. No, I got a ton so. of jars. This is okay. great. Yeah, I have a ton of jars. Yeah. I I mean honestly, I was just thinking about this today. The best thing about growing weed for me is giving it to people. That's oh. like my favorite part about it. Oh, it's I'm like I'm going to start growing and trying to sell it to make just to break even. Okay. Because it like it gets ex- like if you're doing I'm gonna. G- I'm getting a tent. A We're tent. A tent. A tent. I'm gonna do it indoors because it's a lot easier to control and stuff yeah. like that. So you're gonna start soon. Yeah, it's in the process. Oh, cool. See, I'm. A, I'm just. Uh, you're going outdoor next year, man. It's gonna be around here. It's gonna look different. Do you, and you got genetics. Um, of that. Of just what are you gonna grow? I'm gonna grow probably like I'm gonna do five strains. I think. Nice. But one plant, one big plant each. I'm gonna do. Uh, five fifty-gallon bags. What? So see that see that big ass bag over there? Okay, look at that. You're gonna do a fifty. Ga- see you that, see get, that big okay. black bag over there? Can I suggest you get if you're gonna do this big? Yeah. What I suggest is I can get you. I'll get a some land rice like old land rice sativa that'll grow to be like fucking twelve feet tall. Really? It takes longer. That's yeah. why people don't grow it anymore. Because well, we got of sun out here, man. You and because I was just talking, I was in Southern Humboldt. Yeah, and that's where it all started. Is Southern Humboldt? Right. And like we're going like we every trip was like up a mountain through three gates to get to a farm, and then damn, uh, this the second half of the season is it's so I'm so podcast. excited. Yeah, of the podcast okay. of Grown Local. I'm sorry, I just start talking about it because it's. I'm very proud of it because we're like highlighting true outlaws that saved a plant. Yeah, they really saved it because they were trying to eradicate it completely. And Who it's was the government? Really? Yes, they're trying to get that since for that's propaganda since the the Hearst but family. You can't get rid of that shit. No, that's what they didn't understand. I mean, it's like can't. it grows in fucking uh, ditches and stuff. It grows very well. That's the. Th- it's a weed. <laughs> that was what I was so curi- uh, so fascinated by is just how um, sturdy it is as a plant. Yeah. I just you can't bust it. Well, you. I mean, no, you can't. You can make it better. You can make it really good, but you can also. It's hard to kill. You can treat it like shit, and it will fucking just keep ripping. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's pretty amazing, and I think, and I don't say this lightly, but it could save humanity if we did it right. I think a combination of that and um, not psilocybin, but um, you know, mycelium, like yeah, mushrooms, fungus. I think yes. fungus. That's that's actually the thing I've talked about this in podcasts a bunch, but seeing the stuff that Paul Stamets did with um, digestive mushrooms that di- that break down pollution. Yeah. That's what honestly flipped me from being like a, um, what do you call it, like a, an eschatologist, someone who thinks the end is nigh. Yeah. Seeing that, I was like, you know what? No. It's not going to happen because I even think that now when people talk about like the, the, the Pacific um, trash gyre, yeah. something is going to eat that. It's going to be a bacteria. Or no, there's fungus. Something will consume that. Do you that. understand? Like, in this, we talked about this to, with some regenerative farmers just this past weekend mm-hmm. that you're talking about fungus yeah it's underneath the earth it's everywhere it acts and they they're not sure the theory is it may be all connected and it all all fungus communicates with each other yeah because what it does what these farmers have figured out that 
when they do this no-till and regenerative earth stuff is that the fungus acts like a like a smart super grid mm -hmm. so it listens to the plant like say your uh fucking sativa plant is like oh i need more copper right well then the fungus goes through it grabs it and goes and communicates with everything around it. it's like who's got extra copper in you right now and then grabs that and brings it there yeah so w it's literally if human beings would just take a step back and get out of our own way it all and the thing that made me go from whatever that term was you were talking about like oh we're gonna yeah. fuck things up was there's this documentary, and it was when I was living in the Northwest I saw it because it was I'd seen it on the local news where they tore this old dam down mm -hmm. because, and it was like the salmon and some other stuff were getting fucked up. Right. But, and within six months of them tearing the dam down and reintroducing the way the river should actually flow and all right. that, six months everything was back to, nature was back corrected itself that quickly oh it's like, amazing after decades of us being like we know better and it's yeah. like hey you're really fucking the salmon up right now right and we're like no but there's a cabin over here we're giving power to <laughs> that this rich guy mm -hmm. uses once a year right so that's why and then they went through because they figured out this one headstrong corps of engineers guy just decided, I'm going to put dams everywhere and went through the west damming up. Yeah, there's up so shit. many dams everywhere. So they're starting to tear them down. Really? And, and it's a project. They're starting to tear them down and help. to It, it just kind of rebuilds like wetlands and yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, because the wetlands are a natural absorption of uh, when there's high amounts of water, the wetlands absorb it. And it works. Yeah. And that's the whole reason why Katrina was so bad because all those, they're building all these fucking houses out in the wetlands and so the wetlands are destroyed and that's what that's like what destroys you can't feel the swamp the swamp exists for a reason yeah you can't Tor drain it either yeah you can't drain it no the fucking swamp is the best uh yeah god i was someplace <laughs> where was i i think maybe i was in red dead redemption actually i was in a swamp and i was like man this swamp is fucking cool as shit they're cool and scary yeah like have you ever been down to like louisiana and been like on a Are you kidding me on, like, the airboat? I haven't been an airboat, but I've been canoeing in, like, in northern Florida. My yeah. My mom's family is from Louisiana. Oh, so you, okay. Yeah, my grandpa, I grew up as a kid going down to Alexandria, Louisiana. Okay, that is. Which is not super swampy, but that's fucking, It's swampy enough. It's, you know, the it's rednecks. Are. The bayou, seeing the bayou, go to Natchitoches. Those are, like, roughnecks. Yeah. The Louisiana, like, that's not even redneck. That's, like, that, it's, like, swamp mixed with oil person. Yep, and there's also a lot of Cajuns, and those Cajuns are One of my favorite funny, stories man. about New Orleans is I was talking to this dude after a show. He's, I can understand every two, second or third word, and I've been oh down there God. a bunch. And it was my turn to talk. I was like, where are you from? Like, what swamp or whatever? Cause was, and he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you're Cajun, right? And he's like, I'm not Cajun. I was like, well, why do you talk like that? And he was like, oh, I'm on acid. I was <laughs> like, Okay. <laughs> True story. Like, and I was oh watching. I was like, because for I was like, he's fucking with me. And then I was like, no, he's on acid. That is. That's it sounds funny. a lot like Cajun. God, those fucking coon asses, man. Yeah, and you say stuff like that. I don't say that because say what, of my coon accent. Asses? Yeah, but I understand it. That I'm. Nice. Is that not, is that a bad thing to say? No, but okay. with my accent, it could be. 
just oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it just sounds like another word. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we're like, it, there's just like a certain you see it in certain people that that was interesting when I left the South. I a thing I didn't a culture part I didn't see coming was people not understanding the South. And not a, they like people that haven't traveled or visited yeah. the South. They think there's like stereo like those. They think stereotypes are real. I mean, because some of them are. Oh well, I tell people that too. Yeah. They're like, "Well, what's the South really like?" I'm like, "The bit it's I have both. is like it's it's like s- seven or eight, ten of the coolest cities full of the coolest people you've mm-hmm. ever met, and the rest is probably what you heard." Yeah. Or and it's way more intense than you could ever imagine. Yeah, man. It is that. For real. Yeah, I mean, I I always enjoy it down there. I really do. Like, I think I've had the best comedy shows, a lot of the best comedy shows there. The South knows how to laugh. I mean, it's yeah. also a culture shock when I went to Seattle was the segregation that still exists in certain cities in the West. Yeah, and they act like they're not. Yes. But it's like, you guys are segregated. You're just not talking about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very clear in a way that, to me, was, like, unfamiliar because... The South is segregated. I mean, mm-hmm. n- un- unsegregated by force. Right. So there's like this interesting, very uh, complicated dynamic in the South that unless you're from there, people don't get it. Yeah, it's co- it's complicated. There's a class but it's, thing too it's involved. Class thing, and it's also something where people are more comfortable with. Well, black and white people are more comfortable around each other yes. because there's just a more familiarity. Obviously, if you share a space, if you share a location, I think people, I think people in the South can see past color quicker mm-hmm. because of what you're talking about. Like, yeah. black people from the South can tell who's a racist and who's a not totally. real quick. Yeah. And it's not even a language thing. It's not a language thing, no. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, and white people from the South can tell who's a real racist and who's not. Right. Which is what always gets me when people, like when I do that character Dick or Troy, who has a Southern <laughs> accent, yeah, a lot it. of people would be like, oh, we know who, know who you voted for. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't. You think because I talk this way? Well, for one thing, Dicker can't vote because he's not allowed to. He shouldn't. I don't think Dicker should vote. Well, Dicker can't. He's got a. And he's I don't got think a felony. he would if he if he could. He's got a felony. Because hey, he ain't part of the electoral college. Yeah. He sounds like something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like so many people judge that. It's like you are so dead wrong. Like it's so dead wrong about that. Last time I did a show in my hometown, and I always, I try to do one or two the night before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and. These people I didn't really know, but, you know, they came up to me after the show, and they're like, you've been hanging out in California too long. I see what you think, and I just looked at her, and I was like, oh, I thought this when I lived here, too. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've, I've actually, like, went back toward the middle since I've moved to California. Yeah. I was like, it's not what you guys think it is. No. It's tons of, I was talking with Amy Miller about this yesterday, about how, um, you know, if you take away San Francisco and Los Angeles— California's just she, what's what she said. California's just Texas. <laughs> it's just like a kind of an extension of Texas. Yeah, it is. There's so many goddamn rednecks in in California. Especially if you go, if you took away San Francisco and then South, mm-hmm. it is Texas. Yeah. In oil, the, it's oil, cattle, it's, it's cattle. It's rural. Uh, there's more farming. There's more like uh, produce mm-hmm. than Texas, but. 
for sure that kind of added that braggadocious attitude is in California. Yeah. But like Sonoma <laughs> up is like this other like hippie world. Oh man, it's nuts. Where the, you got the wine and that kind of money. When you say Sonoma, I get thirsty. I See, hear the I, word Sonoma, I'm like, God, I'd like some wine right now. <laughs> it, it's that's. I think if I ever start drinking again, it will be wine. Yeah. Because it's, man, there is like that was my favorite to drink some red wine with like really like a really good joint. Well, that's like a all you stoners are the same, man. All you guys are like act like you're drinkers, but you're just drinking wine when you're smoking tons of weed. I yeah. feel like that's such a thing. So all stoners love wine because it's like they can just sip on it for hours, not really get drunk, but really it's like. Well, it's <laughs> also made from the earth, so yeah. it complements. Like it's all natural as well. True. One of the more natural booze. So is beer though. Kind. I mean, it's depending on the How type. About you feel really natural? Cider. Cider. Is, and that gets people <laughs> fucked up. I've just, got cider in the bathroom right now. I'm about to bottle it probably this weekend. I don't. All this sweet stuff I was never. It's not sweet at all. It's dry as hell. Dry as uh, a bone. There isn't a drop of sugar in that, man. You know why? Because it's all converted to alcohol. It's so sneaky, too. It's um, 8% probably. Did you guys ever. Where did you go to college? Florida State. Holy shit. <laughs> you didn't know that? No. Oh. So were you down there with like Henry and those guys were down there? Uh, Maybe a little crossover, yeah. That's so fucking yeah. awesome. But he was in theater school, and I was in fuck-off media productions. Got you. So yeah, he was, I was like, you know, doing something, actually doing something, and I had a degree. It's basically, I have a degree in bullshitting. No, I quit my degree in really? bullshitting because of stand-up. I'd found it. Oh, right. And I was like, oh, well, this is what I'm kind of doing already. Yeah. Um. But did you find... Some of those classes I found, like, I still use some of the stuff I've learned and understand. And some of them I was like, that, it's, I was right. I was like, this is, seems like a scam. Yeah, definitely it was half and half. Some I feel like my approach toward it and how, it's like, oh, I did this well. I thought I was doing bad. I was like, oh, that's, that's what I learned is that if you do stuff on, if you do stuff very authentically. Yes. And in a way that's not trying to do good, then you do well. But if you are, I don't know, I mean, I learned all kinds of stuff. I learned a lot about literature. I, said, I did a lot of English classes. Yeah. But I also, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it was a state school. It's a state school, and I came from a private Catholic school. So basically. <laughs> you were like, it's like, like they don't care about us. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God. it's they. Um, they uh, this is so easy. I can't believe it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All you have to do is literally go to class. If you go to class, you can't fail the test. No, you, you don't could. have to even study for the test, and you'll pass it just because you just go. I got mad because our school had a attendance policy. Oh, was this like a smaller school? No, it was Western Kentucky University. Got so it. it was, you know, a little smaller than probably Florida State, but it's sixteen, seventeen thousand students. Yeah, I think Florida State's like twenty-five, maybe. Yeah, something like yeah, it's like a mid-market fucking. Yeah. So I remember being upset about that just from a like, listen, if you give me the syllabus. For the, at the beginning, and I'm paying you to teach. I can do whatever the fuck I want. So, and I can do all the things, and at the end, give, make an A. But you say I didn't come to enough classes, so I get knocked down grades. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. Totally. Fuck you. And my teacher, like I remember, I went to the, the head of communications, Doctor Kale, and I was like, I don't understand this, and he was like. 
He's like, yeah, I don't either. Like he was even <laughs> like, he's like, I agree with you. Like that. Yeah. That's what I kept getting. Anytime I would be like, this seems like bullshit, and like t- professors and stuff would be like, you could tell they were like, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So the more and more I was just like, I removed myself. I was like. And then I found stand-up and was like, oh, thank God I can quit doing this. Yeah, I wonder what I would have done if I had started doing stand-up earlier. Because I graduated and everything. You know, I didn't start stand-up until I moved here, which was probably almost a year after I graduated. I, yeah, I wonder what I would have done. Because I, I, so many people, for years and years, I always regretted, like, man, I wish I had knocked on the college and just started comedy. But who knows what, you can never yeah, you don't know. tell what yeah. would happen, but... I always think no. About even me, that. I wish I would have started two years before. Do you know what I mean? Everybody, because everyone yeah. wants to be fucking Chappelle. Yeah, going to well, open mics with a backpack. Yeah, when he was eleven or something. Yeah, he, yeah. like oh man, you because truly you cannot. There is no replacement for starting the early. Work. Yeah, knowing the skills. Because you get to fuck off for ten years and was like, oh look at this funny kid. This kid's crazy. He's a kid. He's a kid. He's a kid, man. Yeah. You don't have to be funny. You just have to be like nice and confident. Confident, you can also tell people like, oh, "Kiss my ass!" Like, yeah. "Oh my god, he just told yeah, he just told him to kiss my ass." That's hilarious, dude. You're awesome. What's your name again? Like you that kind of co- shit. You want to come on the road with us? Yeah, come on. The, yeah, we're doing shit gigs. They that doesn't be funny. It was that was something I recognized. I think, like, I did open mics mm-hmm. before I quit school. Like, I remember being on stage the first open mic and like feeling the weight of figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. Right. I felt that lift during that set. Yeah, man, that's a, such a real thing. That's like the that's why I'm talking. Going back to what we were talking about before about how quarantine or not quarantine, pan, the pandemic sucks because um, you don't have. Sometimes I just realizing this t- today, in the last two days actually is like, man, why am I feeling like emotional and like bad? And it's like it's because I don't have like this thing that I used to do so much that really validated my existence to such an extreme degree that it's almost it's really hard to replace that and that's when i first started doing stand-up i felt so happy for the first time in my life like not like happy like smiley just i felt like oh i this is what i wanted to do this is what i've always wanted to do is this i'm doing it and even if i bomb at it even if it sucks even if there's like no one there it still feels better than something else and how i'm not doing that right now and I, I guess it's like I, I kind of um, totally underestimated the extent with which doing live comedy or just performing in general, any type of performance at all, gives me, it just gives me such a, um, like, not like a will to live, but like a, there's like, there's like a something there. There's energy. Like a, a real, yeah, energy, everything about it. It's, uh, to me, I had this, I had to... Because I had like a tough, ugly divorce that, you know, mudslinging and all that. Oh, I bet. And so you kind of see who's your friend when stuff gets slung and who's your acquaintance. Mm -hmm. So I had to go through that. And then I had to ask myself, what is it about? this comedy thing that I like mm-hmm. and like is it the parties is it the access to certain things and it was like no I like doing stand up yeah it feels great I, I like that part I also like traveling and seeing new places so that really that's helpful to me because I know some people that love doing stand up but hate traveling and it seems like Doesn't a real nightmare for them yeah but to me I like to travel enough that it's like fun for me and then but 
I also had to come to terms during that with the way I was going about doing stand-up. Okay. And that kind of helped me in that I didn't want to be talking about my dick when I was in my 50s. Right. So I had to consciously be like, all right, I don't want to talk about this stuff. And now I want to head in this direction where I want to I want to cultivate fans that want to hear my point of view on whatever, mm-hmm. not a Yeah, they just want to hear, you're not coming to hear us. Yeah, I don't know what you're saying. They want to hear your voice. Yes. Which also, if you think about it, that's all stand-ups, really. You're not going to hear them talk about something. You just want to hear... Like the people I love, I watch them make a, make a sandwich. I watch them read the newspaper. Yes, it's just funny. I just enjoy. They're gonna deliver. It was also something I realized. I mean, all these trials and tribulations that you think, like you say, like you're like fuck. I'm gonna. This is a big thing, or all those things yeah. you start realizing. Like, here's what I can control. This is right. it. This is what I can control. Mm-hmm. And I am willing to just talk and, like, kind of restructure the way I was going about stuff. And it's going to be – it was it was bare bones for a couple of years where it was like, you know, I'm just barely getting by touring and stuff yeah. like that by saying fuck you to certain things that I didn't want and they didn't like that and they were connected to certain stuff. So they do – they do – when you say fuck you to certain power things, there are repercussions to that. Like what stuff were you saying no to? Uh, the systems. These old guard systems. Right. Um, they didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Especially the how the times were changing. So there were like parts of it and they were like, you know, they'll come in and be like, say, do it this way. Or come along I this way. I you told me about this before. Kind of like... Because of your look and your voice, people think, oh, this guy's going to be a, a blue-collar comedy oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. And you're like, no, that's not me. So I already knew yeah. that I could get through the fucking pushback of me saying no because of going through Seattle and doing that. like, yeah. And them, you know, handing me blue-collar cards. And you need to go talk to these people. And I'm like, oh, you guys aren't listening to what I'm saying. You see my name and hear my accent. Yeah. But if you put me in front of those people, you're gonna have a riot. Because <laughs> yeah. I will, I will ingratiate myself to them because I am one of them, mm-hmm. and then I will push every one of their fucking buttons while they're laughing at me. They're also getting confused and angry at me. Yeah, cause that's the most angry when you get like, well, uh, this is just. I like this fella. Why is he doing this? Why is he? He reminds me of me, but now I don't like me. Mm-hmm. So I was aware of some of that, and it would take longer for me yeah. to do what I wanted to do because I had to evaluate. I was also blessed with, like, money's never been a thing. I've I've had a little bit here and there mm-hmm. and realized real quick, like, oh, I don't. I'm fine without it. Yeah, you But don't now I'm older, I'm like, I would like some because now I know how to do stuff with it. Yeah. But at the time, I mean, a couple of my friends – so a couple of musician friends of mine that made it later in life. Uh, we've talked about that where if we were given some of the keys we have now mm-hmm. when we were 24 or 25, we were like, we'd be dead. I would be dead. Yeah. Some of the access to things. Yeah, I always think about that too. Like if you had like, um, 
you weren't ready for it. No. And always stuff happens when you're ready for it. And if it doesn't, you see people like, oh, man, what happened to that guy? It's like it's just too much, too soon, too fast. Yeah. And they just kind of they burn themselves out or they just they just didn't know how to how to handle that thing yet. Or it, they got into something they didn't want. Yeah. There's a lot of it. Dude, My that's dad. a big thing, getting into something you don't want because you, cause it seems so great. People don't know how to get out of it. But that happens so much with people outside comedy, outside of any creative stuff. That's what happens to all these people, you know, people you know from like, people who are unhappy who have been pursuing something their whole lives because like after college or something or high school, they got a really good job and things happen, things are really good. And so they've never, it's like next thing you know, you're 40 and you're like, I fucking hate this thing I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like I fucking hate selling boats <laughs> yeah i was thinking boats too for whatever really? reason i was like i was just thinking like i remember this guy that he was like we were like 22 23 That's, yeah and i'd maybe done i'd been doing stand-up like a year but you know not it was like i was participating in stand-up at yeah, that point you're, you're going to open mics and getting blackout drunk and meeting new friends that yeah. liked stand-up in a way i did and he had a boat already <laughs> in a pool and like a house yeah. And I remember being fast like I don't and his job wasn't like like he couldn't have been making more than 60 or 70 thousand dollars, but like mm -hmm. with lines of credit and all and that. It's consistent too. If you have consistent income, you can get a loan on anything. It was so I was like I was just like, "Whoa." And he and was like a factory job or something like that. And uh he was a good dude. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like a, he wasn't crazy intelligent, but just a good local dude. And he's like, "Yeah, man, you do this, this and this." And I was like, "Huh." And then, you know, 15 years later, run into him, and he's like, yeah, man, I shouldn't have got this or this because I didn't understand. You know, he wasn't dumb. He was just like the way it was presented was like, this is the way. Yeah. And he was like, I just, he's like, eight years in, you're like, I have to keep paying for this stuff that's not fun to me anymore. I don't necessarily want. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was a huge sign to me. We're like, I, I just want to go see places and do stuff first. Yeah, the experience of something is always better. Because every time you have a, you get a possession, it's like a new responsibility. Mm -hmm. And also, the, all the mega rich people I have ever met always want to share their shit with you. <laughs> you want to use the pool? Come over anytime. Yes. I'm out of town for three weeks. Yes, yes. Well, the cool ones. Some of them aren't like that. Some of them aren't, but some. I think it's. I you, like I think you know when you walk into a wealthy person's house, you can feel what type of wealthy person. Like I have a. There's a friend of mine who has like Banksy's on the wall. Oh my god! Like, who is this? Yeah, I'll tell you later. Okay, um, he's super. He's like one of the like. If you didn't know this about him, you yeah. would never know he had that kind of money. That's and funny. He made it too. Damn. It wasn't like inherent. It was. He's very impressive. Um, <coughs> very charming, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the way his house is, it's just like our homes with like. Oh, that's a show poster that I. But like right. with him, you're just like you look closer and you're like, oh, that's that's a Banksy on canvas. That's like that's worth more than our house, I think yeah. probably. And it, but then you realize like, oh, he does cool stuff with his money. Totally, I think that's the thing that's happening too in, in modern times where people don't have people get bad. People are bad at spending money. There's a lot of people who oh, people that can can get it don't know how that's have you watched have you read the mother jones article about uh the the guy who called all the numbers in epstein's no 
black book. No, this sounds awesome. I got to read this now. It is, uh, to me, it's the best explanation. It's probably, to me, the most accurate explanation of who he is. Who Epstein is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because it's, the guy talks to like a bunch of, talks to Bobby Slayton. Who's uh, that? The Pitbull of Comedy. Pitbull. Bobby, Bobby Slayton. Um, I think I know It's a San Francisco comic. He, He's just an old school comic, and mm-hmm. it's just all un PC fucking in your yeah. face. Yeah, just like it's funny as hell, and he's a sweetheart of a man. Right, but you different know, different time. <laughs> yes, and he's probably not even a sweetheart of a man. He is yeah. a sweetheart to other comics, but I'm yeah. sure if you're, a, yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> he's a good guy. Perfect. Yes, uh, he talks about him. Uh, this old man talks about him, where it was just like he. Knew with the Wexner, the the Victoria's Secret guy. Okay. His whole the, this one lady who was just his friend, uh, a long time, was like, yeah, he talked about that that Wexner dude. That he was like, he's a, he's bad at social. He has all these this money. Mm-hmm. And he's very good at business, but he doesn't know how to spend his money. Yeah. He doesn't know how to interact. He's like, Epstein was like, I'm gonna give this dude a life. And that's what he came in and, like, you know, showed him how to have fun with all that's the stuff. So funny. And then just started taking all this. Oh, that's right, yeah, because he stole a lot from him. He kind of, like, controlled him a bit, didn't he? Most of Webstein's right. wealth, they think, came from him. I forgot about that, yeah. He kind of controlled him and was able to manipulate him by... He was such a dork, and Epstein was such a player. Yes, and he introduced in these circles, and then, like, there were these scientists talking about him, too, and they're like, no, he wasn't smart. That whole genius thing is, like, the elite wants that out there like this super genius fooled them all but like he wasn't like he would ask like when he would have physicists around they knew he had a lot of money Mm -hmm. so they had to be nice to him so they could do research so he would be like so what is up or like what is down like ask these like bong fucking pseudo intellectual questions to these scientists who are like what the fuck is this like this is he's an idiot but he has so much money yeah and that like this one dude said he was like the male version of a nymphomaniac. So, like, he set his life up right. to do all the sex stuff mm-hmm. before the, and then the intelligence agencies realized he had done that and they approached him. Oh, okay. That's, the, that's how I was always like, how did this, who was like, where's the chicken, where's the egg to yeah. that kind of stuff? But it all made sense and, that, and it makes sense. He's like just preying on these wealthy people that aren't elite yeah they're also because it's just they're not smart there's also a thing where people who are old money they know how to spend money yeah and how to save money because it's like if you're always been wealthy then your life is different than someone who just gets money yeah you spend it on totally different things you spend a totally different way and you know how to keep it it's like it's a different sort of thing well it's why it's this is a, a, an interesting conversation that I, I keep coming back to where it's like when I think about raising my kids and stuff, I want them – the education is important uh, knowledge-wise, but where private schools and these things really come into hand like, is – It's relationships. That. It, 100%. Well, it's not even the relationship that you that you build. It is – Learning how to communicate and be comfortable 
in these rooms with these people that ha- and learn how they speak to each totally. other. Totally. That's such a thing where it's like a lot of people, I mean, if you think about Hollywood too. A That's lot what of I was, was going to bring it. That's why all these, these, these comics that are complaining about rich kids getting shit, and it's like they know how to talk and get c- money. Because also they're fucking chill. They're calm in those situations. Yes. It's not a big deal. Mm-mm. Like, oh, you got a bunch of money? I don't really give a shit. Well, why don't you? It's like, not impressive to me. Give me some of it so I can do this thing. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, that's like, such a thing. That can I? You can't. Some t- people you can't communicate that to. They're right. Like, it's not that. It's not that they're doing it on purpose. Like, oh, you're rich. I'll give you money too. Fuck these poor people. Yeah. It's they know how to communicate mm-hmm. this thing. It's it, what made me realize that too is like, uh, there's this book about the cocaine cowboys. Oh, the best. Uh, but it's about one of the dudes specific. What, Mickey Monday? No, it's his partner. Okay, I'm a big Mickey Monday fan. I would. I bet you and I both want to play him in a movie because um, we look kind of like him. I have to gain a hundred pounds to play Mickey Monday. You would. You would have to start working out hard. I uh, have to start working out at the fucking donut shop. Th- th- well, he's also like he's yoked. Yeah, I'm little man. But his partner. Yeah, that dude. guy. That guy is smart as a whip. That, I mean, have you ever read his book? I'll bring it to you. I gotta read it, man. Because I, my oh. first time I saw Cocaine Cowboys, was like, this is the greatest story of all time. That is this much of that motherfucker's story. Because I, I go this much. That <laughs> it, it's so little part of that book that I was like, when's he gonna talk about the ducket? And you're really? like, oh, but he talks about this dude they had in Miami that knew how to bribe people. Oh, man. And I was like, that fascinated because I've always been curious how totally. people could do that. Because like thing, to me, it's always like, now I'm gonna hand you this. Is this how? Let's be clear. If I give you this money, you're gonna do the thing. Did you see the Green Book? No, I. Uh, I loved it. I I had a problem with it because all the actors in my acting class were going nuts about it because of the archetypes. Well, I just think it was. It the just, story's good. I like the just story. Just a good movie. Just a well-made movie. I don't but think it the should've. character Viggo Mortensen plays is a real guy. Yeah, and that real guy is someone who knows how to bribe people. Yes, it's a it's a gift. It's a thing. It's, it's like a, a thing where making them, someone feel like you're not bribing them. This is just business. Oh yeah, like, well, I, oh, like, so man, good. Great shot on the 18th hole. Anyway, so I put that briefcase over there, and then we're gonna do the thing about the judge. Yeah. So next Wednesday, do you want to play cards with us at the Hard Rock? Yeah. It's that kind of motherfucker where you're like, how did you do that? Yeah. Makes it feel like you're not doing anything wrong. Everything's great and nice. And we're just, you know, we're on the same team. We're mm-hmm. on the same side here. It is. It's a gift. Where I, When I read that in that book, I was like, oh, I remember just stopping and being like, I've always wondered that part of it. Yeah. Because, like, you read about all those criminal organizations and all that. Like, everyone has a skill set. Mm-hmm. And that's how it all works. Like a fucking special forces thing or, like, fucking any of that shit. It's like. It's having a good leader that knows how to put people together. That's the thing too. I always think about is I love I love mobster movies. I love Irish mob movies. I love the Italian ones. I love the Irish ones more because it's it feels closer to Me you too. know who I am. Me too. I'm but it's the kind of thing where it's like when every time I see him, I always think, man. I mean, I thought about this the last two years a bunch where because I've kind of got a little bit bored with stand up sometimes because it's just it's not as like scary as it used to be. Yeah, and you're tired of talking about your dick a little bit, too. I'm just tired, of, just tired of it in general, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have the same, like, jazz, not jazz, but the same, like, fear. Mm-hmm. And I always think, like, man, I wish I, I kind of wish I, w- 
had gone into crime, like been a criminal. I would think I would have been a great criminal. But at the same time, I have to stop myself and be like, you know what, man? I would probably be a terrible criminal because when it comes down to it, a lot of those people who are in those environments, yeah, they're smart. They're good at talking and all this stuff. Like, they're good at analyzing things. I'm really good at analyzing stuff and figuring out like, like how a system works. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, you just have to be the person who can can lie to a cop or someone. Some people just can't do that. Some, you, some people just can't be. You can sweat them, and they'll fucking squeal. Some people just won't. You can't sweat them. Well, I think that's a loyalty thing. Loyalty, but it's also a thing where I, I feel like, you know, I mean, if it comes down to it, are you gonna? You know, I always Here's think about no country honest. for old men, right? I'll be honest about this. Yeah. I've had that. I know that thought process you're having, where yeah. you're like, if it came down to this, this, then it's sort of like, would I it, fucking do it? Can I would, do the fucking thing? To me, it. Uh, first of all, I always approach any of those situations with like, I don't ask more questions than I need to fucking know. Yeah, because yeah. the because the plausible deniability is one of the smartest things. The greatest thing ever. Um, so if I go into any situation like that, <laughs> you go into it with like, what is my specific job? Yeah. I go in and do that, and then you get the fuck out. Right. Uh. But I think I don't think it's. I think it, it is like a relationship thing, mm-hmm. where. It used to be like Lamerta, like the code of silence. That thing yeah. was real because there weren't that many people, right? So they had this system, and they had to protect their own in a way. And then it became business more than a loyalty thing. So this code that they had to protect their tribe, right? From you know they weren't necessarily doing. They were trying to survive. They're making their people survive. Yeah. Because they couldn't so survive then, inside the existing system. So, yes, yeah. and the cops really, everyone, it worked. And if you crossed the code thing, they were like, yeah, that's, that motherfucker knew the game he was playing. Right. Then it became this bigger business thing where it wasn't, a, it was about money and not protecting and surviving. Mm-hmm. And that's when the squealing and shit starts happening. Yeah. So, like, I think if, I think I'm learning this, uh, like through the process because like we went and interviewed this those people in Southern Humboldt and learned that the camp thing where the the military and the state would come in with the helicopters and stuff and like buzz their houses and point guns and shit. These are farmers. Yeah. And that under the that they developed a system to communicate every day through the local radio station. That's cool. And all this and it was like what made it really funny to me was like like under the guise of we're here to protect the community and the whole community's like get the fuck away from us and you're like oh i don't think you're protecting them i think you're you're preventing because they're like well they don't pay their taxes and they're like the state taxes they that community is very very like all the schools and stuff they pay they, the shit out of them everyone's taken care of yeah the that's, locals it's a fucking community they that's there's more community there than any community in the country right uh, they were looking out for each other, and they knew who was good and who was bad. They weren't against the law, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the interesting part now is, like, now they're like, no, because uh, I was like, you guys can't ignore what's happening. You have to play with with them now. You can't ignore that. And they're like, yeah, and some people do, and that's their own prerogative. But we're like that where, yeah, we need people going 
and making sure that these farmers aren't damming up uh, creeks just for their farm and fucking up the whole ecosystem right. and doing all this, and dumping all this fucking fertilizer in this that shouldn't be there. Right. Like, we understand that. So we need is so it was like this. Like, we weren't criminals. We were these farmers. Yeah, that were protecting this thing that shouldn't have been legal. But what about being a bank robber, though? I think that's just a dumb. I think that's just for. It's not about the money. It's about the high for sure. Because yeah. you know what the average bank robber gets? Not that much. Thirty five hundred dollars. What a score! That's the average overall oh, in the it, history yeah. of bank robbing. Right. Is you get thirty five hundred dollars. I'm talking about like the movie Heat. I'm talking about high level shit. I don't think that. Ha I don't <laughs> think they rob banks anymore. I think I think those dudes think are on computers and making yeah. decimals move. What about Thomas Crown? Like being an art thief. Though that's the. I think that's noble. I think you're yeah. playing. You're usually a rich dude playing a fun game with other rich dudes. Did you hear about that art the score that happened uh, at the beginning of the lockdown? I think so. Was it? It was some museum that obviously everything they was shut down. They got a bunch of stuff, they right? They got some heavyweight stuff. But to me, I read about that. I'm like, man, wouldn't it be cool to just to do that? To fucking find... Yes. It's the ultimate puzzle. And the stakes are so high. But it's still it's a white-collar crime. You know, you're not really like... You're not hurting anyone. I've but got a plan we'll talk about. We'll talk about off-mic. Off-mic, we're going to talk about our plan to um, commit a, a felony. It is going to be... It is an art heist. Okay. An art heist. Yes. Got but it. it'll be, I won't say <laughs> completely legal, right? but the the legality of what I want to do it's is great. so minor that it would be probably like a fine, and then once we explained what we were doing, they'd laugh. Ooh, I like this. And then <laughs> the point of the whole idea I have to right. make it into something is to prove that most modern art... Uh, is based on money laundering. Oh yeah. Or and if uh, or you have to create some kind of weird mystique around the art itself mm -hmm. in a story to make that have like this worth. Right. But most of it's money laundering. Yeah, cuz it makes sense why it's such a great way to mo launder money because you have this thing that's basically has it literally has no value. I've touched a Banksy with my like a on canvas with yeah. my finger, and it's the same canvas you buy at fucking Joanne's Fabric in yeah. the same paint. Well, that's the whole thing he talks about too. He's his whole thing is that s to some extent that stuff doesn't have any value. It's been given value, and he thinks that's kind of his whole thing. When he destroyed that thing as soon as it got bought, yeah, and that then that upped great. the value immediately of the thing that the guy just bought. Mm -hmm. That's. That, to me, was like, I've got an idea. Yeah. And I think who I want to steal from, once he figures out what we're doing, might get behind it. Ooh. So. I think I just discovered a hummingbird nest, as you're saying that. That's. I think there's one up in that little crack of that cypress tree right there. That's a good place go for him. That's a good place for him. Yeah, for real. Man, I got to. Okay. Well, I could talk to you all afternoon. We can't. We got. We've done long podcasts, but this is already a pretty good, pretty goddamn good podcast. Um, your podcast is called Local Grown Local. Grown Local. Yes. And I gave you some Grown Local. Yes, you did. That's. Mm -hmm. It's about as local as it gets. There's give a you guy you should have on your mine. podcast. I know a guy you should have in your podcast who's an expert weed grower, man. In Humboldt. 
Uh, here. He lives here. He really? um, has a company called Pod Tones. I had him on my podcast uh, about four months ago. Because, okay. He's like a real high level. He's like super intelligent. Because that's what we're finding Harvard out. Harvard guy. Is what we're doing. It's a closed world. Yeah. So we're getting. Uh, it's been really cool. The South Humboldt's real like closed, really, okay. and they once we figured out what we're doing and that we're not, and it's all for like we want to show the world how dope you guys are. Oh, and what once you've like proved yourselves, they like this world, this other world. We have to go back up in like a month or two to do more interviews because yeah. like these really amazing people keep opening up these other doors you don't even That's realize. Cool. Yeah, and then these incredible people whose story really needs to be told um we're getting it out there so we were my partner mike was like and our producer was like what about southern california i was like i was like well what'll happen is we're gonna have to get a couple fixers in that world to be like these guys are legit you need to talk to them they're getting their thing out in the right way and that would be great to meet someone like that down here. Also, yeah, like great. I know a guy that used to work with Woody Harrelson's people in these big okay. warehouses, and That's I was cool. like, but I don't know if he's involved in that company anymore. But this was like seven years ago. Find out. Which was, yeah, he was filming a documentary. He's like, yeah, they, it would move. They moved warehouses several times and all this. It was wild. Like the story is like we had to be blindfolded. Jesus Christ. It's such freaking crazy. Billy Wayne Davis. It was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Dreaming and you're not in heaven now. Take your medication. Thank you, nurse. Thank you, nurse. Thank you, nurse.